I absolutely loved our time during April focusing on missions, our missions month. Was your heart, I, I pray your heart was challenged. And um, let's do this. I, that was kind of awkward because there was like a few of you were clapping. Um, let's do this. Um, I want to thank Pastor Glenn Hanna, our missions pastor, our missions committee. They did a phenomenal job scheduling, not just for weekend services, but Pastor Marvin, our, our missions prayers on Wednesday, uh, Rich Noble, who taught a class the movie night. Can we give them a thank you? It was, it was absolutely awesome. And let me say this, missions month is not over. Missions doesn't just happen one month out of the year for ACAC. Now, we may focus, we may direct our thoughts and spend time teaching and preaching and do extra things regarding missions. But I hope that you understand missions is what we are called to do 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. That is our heart. That is our calling. All of Jesus for all the world. As part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, that you've heard that. That is the vision statement of the Alliance. All of Jesus for all of the world. And I love the fact that throughout this month, Pastor Kelvin and we heard Tim Crouch talk about it's all of Jesus for all the world takes all of us. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. But before we do, let me remind you of this verse that is written by the gospel writer Luke in Acts. This will be familiar to you. So when the apostles were with Jesus, this is right before Jesus ascended, they kept asking, asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? I could stop there and preach on that for a while, but I'm not. But it's interesting. Do you see what they're always wanting? They're always wanting to restore Israel and his kingdom. But Jesus says, the, he just switches gears and he says, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. Now for you to know. But here's the part we need to catch today. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Everyone say you. That you is not one person, that you is all of us, Jesus is saying. He's saying me, you, black, white, boy, girl, young, old, rich, poor, you, all of you, the church of Jesus will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You is plural. So some of you, especially moms, are going, well, this is Mother's Day weekend. This sounds more like a missions message than it does a Mother's Day message. Well, moms, my message to you this weekend is do not underestimate the significant role that you play as mothers in taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And it's with that, the title of this weekend's message is the mission of motherhood. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us for forgetting and not keeping your great commission in the front of our eyes, in the front of our minds and hearts as often as we should. 
I thank you that you have stirred our hearts over the past 30 days. Lord, I believe that you have called adults, children, teenagers, young adults. I believe that there are some that have, Lord, listened to your voice and have received a nudge. And I pray that they would respond in obedience to the calling of being a missionary. Would you speak through me this weekend? These words that you have birthed in my heart, let me not only be clear, but, an anoint, but anointed, as we just read, with the power of your spirit. In your name, everyone said, amen. I want to share some statistics with you as I was preparing this week and, and looking. Some of these may be familiar to you, and these are mission statistics. A lot of these come from the Jesus Project, a website called thetravelingteam.org and Barner Group, organizations that specialize in doing statistics. And there were 1,500 um, engaged Christians that were involved in some of these statistics. But let's, let's look at them. World's population last year, 7.8 billion people. Out of the 7.8 billion people on this planet, 3.14 of them, 3.14 billion, are unreached people groups. Now, what do I mean by unreached people groups? When, I, when you hear, go back for a minute, unreached pe people groups are referring to people, uh, groups of people where less than 2% of the population either has heard the name of Jesus or does not have access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You catch that? 7.8 billion people in the world, 3.14 are unreached. Let's look at the next one. So what that means is 40% of the world's population has either never heard of the name of Jesus or does not have access to the gospel. 40% of the world. Here's the next one. There are roughly 400,000 Christian missionaries worldwide. 77% of the missionaries worldwide, of that 400,000, are in areas, are reached people groups, areas that have heard the name or do have access to the gospel. Keep that in mind, 77%. 19% of our missionaries in the world are in unevangelized people groups. What that means is people do have access, but they're not as evangelized as others. And this is the key statistic here, this next one. 4%, 4% of the missionaries in the world are in these unreached people groups. People that less than 2% have either heard the name of Jesus or have access to the name of Jesus. Let's keep going. Only 4% of Christian missionaries are working with 40% who have never heard the name of Jesus or don't have access to you, to, to the gospel. Is that registering with you? You catch that? 4% of our missionaries in the world are attempting to evangelize 40% of the people who have never heard the gospel. Now, here's the awesome thing about being a part of this church and being a part of the denomination that we are, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. The missionaries that we send are international workers. 80% of our missionaries are focused towards those unreached people groups. That is what is awesome and amazing about the missions work that we get to be a part of. Let's keep going. This is astounding. Out of Nearly 7,000 languages in the world, 7,000 languages in the world, 4,400 of them are without the entirety of the gospel. I had the privilege of being in Zimbabwe several years ago and visiting a prison there and ministering to, to the 
to the prisoners that were in Zimbabwe. And I mean, it would make our prison system look like a five-star hotel. We were delivering salt. Think of that. They needed salt for these, for these prisoners that were there in Zimbabwe. And they had little portions of the gospel. We weren't allowed to take Bibles, but we heard from the missionaries that were there. They would, they would take little scriptures that were ripped apart and they would share them. But 4,400 of the 7,000 languages don't have the entirety of the Bible, of the gospel in their language. And look at this. The annual income globally of church members is $42 trillion a year. Okay? Christians globally, the income is $42 trillion. $700 billion of that is given to Christian causes, which for reference, $700 billion is about what America spends on Christmas every year. Here's the next stat. Of that $42 trillion that church members annually make worldwide, $45 billion is given to missions. Now, you want context on what $45 billion is. That is about what Americans spend in weight loss programs in one year. And that's what goes to missions. But here's the thing even out of that. Of the $44 billion that is given by Christians worldwide, let's go to the next one. Let me back up. For every 100000 that a Christian earns, $107 of that is going to go towards missions. Okay? Christian makes $100,000. $107 of that goes towards missions. But out of that $107 that goes towards missions, only 1% of that will go towards unreached people groups. That means $1 out of the $100,000 that a Christian makes goes towards reaching unreached people groups in our world. And here's the most dramatic and incredibly heartbreaking statistic of all that 153,937 nearly 154,000 people die every day without a saving faith in Jesus Christ 154,000 people a day think about this if we believe if we truly believe that without a saving faith in Jesus Christ a person will spend eternity separated from God in hell, which we do believe that number should break our heart. 154,000 people living, every, dying every day and spending eternity in separation from God in hell. Many of these people simply have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel the good news of the salvation of Jesus Christ in their own language or in a way that they can understand it. So you may say, Pastor Allen, what does this all mean? One, it means we got to do a better job. And two, we need to raise up a next generation of people who are called to go into all of the earth to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the exciting part. Statistics show us that we have a next generation, that we have young adults and teenagers who are willing to share the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. I'm going to share one more statistic with you. I know you, I've hit you with a lot today. Engaged Jesus followers. That means actively engaged Christians. People actively engaged in their faith. 
who are open to serving overseas and missions. This should be, make you shout. 52% of young adults between the ages of 18 to 34 years old are open to the calling of serving in missions. Praise God for you young adults. 52, half of our young adults who are actively engaged in faith said they would be willing if they heard the call to go overseas. Now here's the thing about teenagers. The next one, 41% of teenagers between the ages of 13 and 17 years old. This should excite us. This should give us hope. But for those of you that are like me over the age of 35, look how this number drops. 28% of adults over the age of 35, only 28%. Do you see the importance of raising up a next generation of missionaries? A generation, teenagers and young adults who said, yes, I will go and take the gospel no matter where God calls me. So where do we start? These are overwhelming statistics. They're overwhelming numbers. And it can, for us, it could be like, well, how do, where do we go from here? What do we do with that? How do we cultivate this next generation of international workers? Well, first of all, it has to start in our church. We have to be a church, and I believe that we are. We just spent the last month focusing on missions, and it continues throughout the year. But we have to be a church that cultivates an environment for our teenagers and for our young adults where they can hear the voice of the Lord and respond in obedience to his calling. We've got to cultivate that environment. But then we have to be a church that educates them, empowers them, prays over them, equips them, and sends them. Can I get an amen? It also is going to take parents and families. Families like the Bannisters who sent their son Adam to the mountains of Guatemala a few months ago where we commissioned them. Parents and families who raised their children to hear the voice of the Lord, who encouraged them to respond to God's call. And here's the point of my message this weekend. Moms, I'm calling you out. It's going to take you. We need mothers on a mission to help children hear and respond to the calling of missions. I want to share with you as we open God's word, if you have your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 2. We're going to talk and look at the story of Jochebed. Now, how many of you are not familiar with Jochebed? And it's okay. Jochebed isn't mentioned much, but you've heard the name Moses. Okay, Jochebed is Moses' mother. I know it's a kind of an odd name for a mother, but that's what we got. Jochebed is Moses' mother. Now, Jochebed was the daughter of Levi, and she married a man named Amram. Amram and Jochebed. They had three children. You'll recognize these names. Aaron, who ended up becoming a priest in the Levites. They had a daughter named Miriam, who the Bible said was a prophetess. And we know Moses was their third child. And Moses, of course, led the people of Israel out of Egyptian slavery. Now, although Jochebed, Jochebed you're not going to see her name mentioned in the 10 verses that we are going to read together. Her name is mentioned in two other places of scripture and genealogy. One is Exodus chapter 6 and the other is Numbers chapter 26. So either watch, look, read with me or look up here on the screen or open your Bibles. Let's look at this, Exodus chapter two. And just to set this up, 
Next week, we start a series. We're going to go back to Genesis and finish uh, the book of Genesis, and we're going to be looking at the life of Joseph. Okay, and you may know and remember that Joseph um, was taken to Egypt, and his brothers eventually moved there. And so all of this, Joseph dies, where the story we're getting ready to read, Joseph has already passed, his brothers have already passed. And in chapter 1 of Exodus, it says that a new king came who did not know of Joseph. He didn't know the story of Joseph. And he was threatened, and the Egyptian people were threatened by the Hebrews. The Hebrews were grow, growing, and they were being very successful. And so to eliminate the threat, he put the Hebrews, the Israelites, into slavery. And he made it incredibly difficult for them. But the Israelites still thrived. And finally, Pharaoh put an order out that the firstborn child or the newly born child, boys in particular, were to be killed at birth. So the order was for every Hebrew woman who was at birth, if it was a boy, they were to take this boy and kill the boy, throw him in the Nile. If it was a girl, they could live. And that's what leads us up to chapter two of Exodus. We're gonna read 10 verses together. Follow along with me as I read. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. That's Jochebed and Amram. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother, Jochebed, brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. I think you can imagine, because it's true today, oftentimes in seasons of national turmoil and tragedy, when we look at the world around us, as divisive as it is, we would say things like, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Many parents decide not to have children, not to bring children into a world like that, or maybe not even have a big family. But this wasn't the case with Jacobin and Amram. Even though their children would be born into slavery, the parents of Moses had children. Jochebed would raise her children in extremely difficult times. Now, Pharaoh wanted the babies dead. And to defy Pharaoh's orders, to disobey Pharaoh, meant your life and your family's life was in jeopardy. 
However, at birth, we just read this mother of Moses, Moses' mama, saw something special in her boy. How many mamas would say amen when you see your boy, you see something special? Especially the oldest ones. That was a personal joke for my mom. But. So instead of obeying Pharaoh's order, she placed her faith in God. See, Jochebed was a woman of faith, a woman committed to the ways of Yahweh. She was a woman on a mission. The faith and the mission of this mother, it should be an example and it should be an inspiration not only to the moms here today or watching online, but to every follower of Jesus. You see, Jochebed's mission she understood that her mission of motherhood was twofold. First, Jochebed understood that by faith, Jochebed committed Moses to the Lord. Look at this verse, verse 3, which we just read together. But when she, Jochebed, could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. The Bible says she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. Now, we look at stories like this and we think of Sunday school. For me, I think of the flannel grams. Does anybody remember those little flannel grams from Sunday school? Okay. And we think of that and we think, oh, it's a little pretty little baby. She put him in a basket in the river and then came down and she got him back. We see the whole story. Can you imagine, especially moms, can you imagine having a child for three months and then taking that boy and putting him in a basket in the largest river of the world? In a river of death, because that's where boys were being killed. Can you imagine nursing that child for three months? Can you imagine the pain, the tears, the prayers, the questions to God that Jochebed would have cried out? Can you imagine the final moment of placing that child, the basket in the water, and walking away and going, I wonder what is going to happen to him? She had to be thinking and praying during this time, asking God, please save my son. God, do you have a plan in all this? I have to wonder, too, if the story of Noah and the ark didn't come to mind. She would have heard that story. It had already happened. I wonder if she thought about God calling Noah to create an ark, covering it in pitch and waterproofing it, and praying to God and going, God, long ago, with my people, you saved them in an ark. Could you do that again? Could you do that again? I wonder if she thought about that. It's been said that mothers begin saying goodbye to the children from the moment they are born. And so you need to start, moms, giving your children to the Lord from the moment they are born. Our children... Moms and dads, they don't belong to us. They're a gift from God. Our children are on loan to us. And oftentimes we forget that. But Jochebed committed her son to the Lord. And I was thinking of this, what do we want for our children? My, I have two teenagers that were almost empty nesters and we're getting to that point and having lots of conversations about the calling on their life and what are they going to study in college and what are they going to do? And, and as I was thinking about this, as people of faith, we talk about it is by faith. We're people of faith. We're Christians. 
And it dawned on me today that, or this week, that oftentimes our desires for our children really aren't that much different than the world. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting the best for your children. But when we think about what we want for our children, what do we naturally, our flesh, what is it? We want them to be successful. We want them to maybe have influence. We want them to get a good education and get a good job so they can make money. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But how many times, you know, if your child said to you, mom, dad, I feel called to be a missionary in Ecuador. (laughs) I'll put my mom and dad on a spot. I remember when I told them I feel called to be a pastor. And (laughs) and it was like, what? But we have that response at times. But as people of faith, We should want what God wants for our children. Whether that means they have the career, they have the finances, we want what God wants because they're ultimately his children. I believe with all of my heart, and I believe we do this at a church, but I want to challenge moms and dads to expose your children to global missions at a young age. We just saw how 41% of teenagers are open to receiving the call of global missions, that young adults between the ages of 18 to 35, one of the things that my wife and I wanted to do when our kids were young, even in middle school, they participated in local missions trips. They didn't go out of the country. They went to serve in different areas outside, away from mom and dad. But then when they were old enough in high school, They had the opportunity. We wanted them to go, and I won't tell you which one of my children were a little more against it than others, but they eventually both went, and we wanted to expose them at a young age. And I stand here letting you know that I understand the the difficulty in that. Right now, I have a daughter at Liberty University studying to be a doctor. She graduates next year, and, and she's told us her mom and I in the last year or two that she feels called to be a missionary. She wants to she wants to go Africa and be a surgeon. And I hate to say this, but you know, you would think as a pastor, I'd be like, yes. And there is an excitement. But the dad part of me, am I gonna see my daughter? Am I gonna see my grandkids someday? Is she gonna be safe? Is she gonna make those are natural questions? But ultimately. We have to support and raise and grow our children. And ultimately, I want what God wants for our kids. And we have to commit our children to the Lord. Here's the second thing. By faith, Jochebed cultured Moses in the ways of the Lord. God miraculously works. You know the story. She places the baby and the princess, Pharaoh's daughter, comes to the river and she sees the basket and pulls it out and hears this little baby boy crying. She recognizes it's one of the Hebrew children and Miriam, Moses' sister, is watching from a distance. And I mean, this is just awesome the way it works out. She comes up and she says, can I find a Hebrew woman to nurse this child for you? And she takes him, the princess, not knowing the baby's going to her, this, this child's mother, natural mother. And, and then here, we don't know how long Jochebed raised Moses, maybe three, four five years we have no clue to the length of time but what we do know and what is obvious is that this hebrew mother jacobed cultivated a faith in moses she cultured moses she taught moses in the ways of the lord she instilled in this little boy's heart the ways of their god yahweh 
I have to think that she taught Moses about creation. That she taught her son at a young age how God created the world. I have to think that she also talked about the sin of Adam and Eve. I have to think that she taught him about Noah and God's redeeming power there. She taught him probably about the Tower of Babel. She probably taught him about Abraham, Isaac, and Moses, or Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then even Joseph and his brothers coming and how the Hebrew people went into slavery. Could you imagine the urgency that she had, knowing that she had a limited amount of time, but she cared enough to cultivate her child? Parents and moms, mothers, hear my heart and understand that you too should have an urgency because you have a limited amount of time to invest in your children. And we should have that same spirit of the urgency in our kids that Jochebed did. You see, all of Jesus for all the world will take mothers on a mission to commit and to culture their children to the Lord. Mom, your mission as a mother is to raise your children to hear and to respond to God's calling on their life and to commit them to that purpose. Moms and dads, we need families that will teach and train their children from a young age how to tune their ears to hear the voice of the Lord. Let me tell you, we want to come alongside you as a church, but it's not the church's job. That's your job. We're here to support and walk along with you in that training. But moms, dads, we need you to cultivate that voice Cultivate that ear in your children that will hear the voice of the Lord. It was by faith that Jochebed disobeyed Pharaoh's orders. It was by faith that she committed her son to the Lord in the Nile. And it was by faith that she cultivated a heart after the Lord in that little boy. And look at the great honor. We've spent the year talking about it is by faith and looking at the hall of fame in Hebrews chapter 11. Well, let me direct your attention to one verse in that chapter 11, the Hebrew hall of fame. Look at this. The writer says it was by faith that Moses' parents, Amram and Jochebed, hid him, Moses, for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. Moses' parents ended up in the great hall of fame of faith because they committed their child to the Lord and they cultured him. I want to end today by telling you a story of an another amazing mother. It's the mother of a missionary named Mary Slesser. They'll put her picture up here. That's Mary Slesser. Mary was born in Scotland in 1848 to Robert and Mary Slesser. Now, Robert, the dad, was trained as a shoemaker, but he was an alcoholic and he was an abusive husband and father. And the family suffered severely. Mary, her mother, Mary, her mom, Mary had an older brother and had five younger siblings. And they all lived, think of this, that family, Mary, her older brother, five younger sisters, seven children, and a mom with an abusive father, 
all lived in a one-room house in the slums of Dundee, Scotland. But there was two things that Mary's mother was committed to. Mary's mother was committed to prayer, and Mary's mother was committed to the Great Commission. In fact, she believed it was so important to send missionaries to the remote parts of the world that despite her family's circumstances, despite having an abusive alcoholic husband and living in the slums in a one-room bedroom house with seven children, she prayed that her children would become missionaries. Mary's mother would actually take home the monthly missionary magazines. One was called the Missionary Record from her church, and she would read Mary, her daughter, these stories at a young age. He actually used them to teach her how to read. And one of these stories that Mary was drawn to was there was a city called Calabar in Nigeria. And Calabar is in the southern part of Nigeria, right on the coast of Africa. And one of Mary's favorite missionaries, as she listened to these stories, was David Livingston. And one day at their church, a missionary came to their church and little Mary heard of this missionary stories in Africa. And in that service, God spoke to her heart and she responded and knew in that moment that she was going to be a missionary. She was 25 years old at the time. Well, David Livingston, one of her missionary heroes, died in 1873. And in that moment, Mary decided she was gonna go to Africa and she was gonna take David Livingston's place. So in 1876, at the age of 28, Mary arrived in Calabar, Nigeria. Calabar was known as the white man's grave because not many people, especially white people, left alive when they visited Calabar. But Mary knew that God had a calling on her life. She had a desire to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who had never heard the name Jesus. She had a desire to plant churches. She had a desire to love on the people there. She was especially drawn to the Akayong tribe, and she was all in. She was all in to the point that she gave up her Western clothing. She learned the language. She stood against the British government that was enslaving and ruling the people at that time. She preached the message of loving your enemies. She fought against war and violence, drug addiction, and alcoholism that was there. In fact, even in this tribe, they viewed having twins, believing it was an evil spirit. So often in this tribe, if a family had twins, they would get rid of the twins. They would cast them aside and kill them. At one point, Mary adopted 12 children of her own, all because of a praying mother who was committed to missions and the Great Commission. Today, you and I have no idea how many people are in heaven today because of Mary Slessor. One day we'll find out. But I believe her mom is gonna have some jewels in her crown, or does, because she prayed and she committed her child to the Lord and she raised him. All of this because this mother was on a mission to commit this little girl to the Lord and to culture her in the ways of God. All of Jesus for all of the world takes all of us. And moms, we desperately need you. I want to end today's service by praying two prayers. First of all, I'm going to ask all of our moms that are here today on site to stand. Would you stand if you're blessed to have children? Moms, would you stand? 
If you're watching online, I'm gonna pray for you moms there. You don't have to stand in your living room. I'm gonna pray two prayers today, but I first wanna pray for you moms. Heavenly Father, these mothers are a gift. (laughs) You have called them with an incredible mission. Lord, they work harder. They have more discernment and wisdom and knowledge than we often recognize and give credit to. Their job can be weary at times. They give everything they have. I pray that you would bless these moms today, those here in this service and those watching online. Pray for these moms that maybe some are struggling right now. Maybe they have questions in the relationship with their daughter or their son. I pray that you would bring peace and comfort. You would bring wisdom. Pray that you would bring a strength. I pray that these mothers would hear your voice. Lord, let them be honored today and through this weekend and in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead. Thank you for the gift that they are here. And I pray that, Lord, these mothers would be an ignition in this church to help raise the next generation of missionaries that you've called to take your gospel to those who have never heard your name or don't have access to it. We bless them in your name. Amen. You may be seated. My second prayer today is one that's a little harder. And I'm not going to ask you to stand, but there's three groups of women that I want to identify, and I want to pray for you as we close. One, for some this weekend, it's hard because your mom is not here. While everyone is rejoicing and you see the video, you miss your mom. I want to pray for you. Others, you desire to be a mom. But God hasn't brought that to fruition yet in your life. There's a couple in our church near and dear to me that lost a child this past week. And that's, I know that's their greatest desire is to have children. And you may be feeling that way today. You may be watching online today and that's you. I want to pray God's grace be with you today. And for some of you, you've committed your children to the Lord in the way that You never imagined you would. And what I mean by that is your child is in heaven today. Moms, I want to pray for you. So here's what I'm going to ask. I don't want you to stand. But dads, husbands, sons, daughters, family, if you're sitting near a mom, I just, I want you to grab your wife's hand, your daughter's hand. I just want you to grab that hand as I pray. We're going to agree in prayer, okay? Heavenly Father, While we do rejoice in motherhood this weekend and honor our moms that are with us, I recognize that there are some that are in mourning because they're not going to be able to have lunch with their mom this this weekend. And the pain is still there. Would your grace be upon them? Would your strength be upon them? Pray that you would bring comfort and peace this weekend. Lord, I think of those like these friends of mine in our church that lost a child this week, that desperately are praying and seeking you to have a child of their own. 
and they're waiting for you to answer. Lord, I know there are so many here like that. I pray that your grace would be upon them. Pray that they would sense that you are there. Let no bitterness or anger or doubt that would turn into that take hold in their heart. Pray that, Lord, they would sense your peace and your strength. And finally, I pray for those moms that, Lord, have had to bury a child. Pray for those families. I ask that, Lord, you would wipe the tears from their eyes, that you would be so very present with them. I pray that you would use the hurt and the pain that they have experienced, that you would open opportunities, Lord, for them to be a blessing to others. So God, while we rejoice, we also mourn today with those who are mourning. Show your grace in your name. Amen. God bless you.